Hello, I'm Mark Sweeney, and this is I'm the Guns Reboot Review, a podcast devoted to DC Comics' The Legion of Superheroes. Now, The Legion has had such a long, storied history dating back to 1958, but the focus of this show is specifically on the reboot years. After almost 40 years of publication, the concept of an interplanetary team of young people and beings 1,000 years in the future created to help defend and inspire a galaxy was rebooted and the team's story was retold from the very beginning. Most of the characters carried over into the new continuity, but their stories would take some sometimes surprising twists and new story elements and characters were added, making the 10 years of this version of the team's existence the most well-rounded depiction of the 30th and 31st centuries to date. Now, this isn't a case I'm going to specifically defend in one episode, but it'll play out, hopefully, over the over the long haul. The format of the show is this. The story of the Legion during this time, beginning in the mid-1990s, weaved through two different monthly titles, Legion of Superheroes and Legionnaires. Each episode of Reboot Review will recap one issue of each title. I'll be quickly describing the action taking place and commenting along the way on the characters and events, sometimes putting things in context historically Legion-wise, and sometimes just saying what I think about the art. So this time out, I'll be taking a look at Legion of Superheroes number 66 and Legionnaires number 23, both cover dated March 1995. So Legion of Superheroes number 66 is a story called Membership Drive, and it was written by Mark Wade and Tom McCraw, who also colored it. It was drawn by Lee Motor and Ron Boyd, lettered by Bob Panaha, and edited by Mike McAvenny and Casey Carlson. So as the story title might imply, we're introduced to a couple of new members this issue, and one we meet right away on the cover by Motor and Boyd, and that member is Andromeda. Of course, anytime a new character is introduced, I should note whether they are in fact new or whether this is the first time they pop up in this particular reality. Now, there'll be a couple of uh, brand spanking new characters we'll meet in a few minutes, but Andromeda we've seen before. Her given name is Laurel Gand, and Laurel was one of the brightest spots in an otherwise dark run of stories just prior to the reboot. She was introduced several years earlier, really, as a kind of character patch. Due to some rejiggering of Superman's past following the 50th anniversary celebration slash house cleaning that was the DC series Crisis on Infinite Earths, many elements of Superman's past were removed from existence. One of these elements was his Kryptonian cousin Supergirl, this fall on CBS who had been a long-time, though seldom, seldom-used member of the Legion of Superheroes, especially in the 70s and the 80s, and who had a an on-again, mostly off-again, special relationship. It's, it'd be a stretch to call it a romance, but a special relationship with Legionnaire Brainiac V as a way to sort of grandfather in and legitimize all the previous stories Supergirl, this fall on CBS, appeared in. Um, the Legion writers at the time, Keith Giffen and Tom and Miri Beerbaum, created Laurel Gand. 
Laurel has just sort of slipped in historically into all of the stories that Supergirl had appeared in. Not a blonde powerhouse from Krypton, Laurel was a blonde powerhouse from the planet Daxim, whose inhabitants shared Kryptonian-like abilities when away from their homeworld. Super strength, speed, and vulnerability, vision powers, etc. Now, Laurel was such a positive presence in the stories in which she appeared. Oftentimes, she stole the show from her teammates, so it was only a matter of time before she'd show up in the reboot. And sad to say, however, that this is one character revamp that doesn't quite work for me, and as we'll see going forward, Laurel is taken in a, no doubt, an interesting direction, but it does seem to spoil the potential of such a, such a positive character. Anyway, on the first page of this issue, we see Laurel putting her Daxamite abilities to use, taking on a couple of heavily armored Legion combat training staff members. Now, this display of power is the, for the benefit of the gathered Cosmic Boy, Saturn Girl, and United Planets President Chu as an introduction to the Legion's newest draftee. Legionnaires notice Laurel is protected by an almost invisible transuit, which is a piece of Legion equipment that team members use to protect themselves when in space. Seems Laurel and all the people of Daxum have a super low tolerance to the element lead. Even a small amount of exposure could lead to death. Kazimpoi offers that this could account for Daxamite's tendency to keep themselves. In fact, this is Laurel's first trip off-world. is shocked when welcoming her to the Legion when Laurel makes it plain that though she'll do her duty to her planet and serve in the Legion, she has no intention of intermingling with the various races that make up the team. Races and species, really. Saturn Girl also expresses some shock at having such a xenophobe in their midst. We then leave this scene on Earth and look in on a couple of other team members. The Legionnaires Chameleon and Leviathan have been sent out to various planets to meet with several Legion nominees, and their first stop is the planet Sylvan, where they meet a being made of light called Loom. The Legionnaires are impressed by Loom's abilities, but disappointed when Loom, obviously misunderstanding the nature of its recruitment, rejects membership due to an inability to leave its home world. Their next stop is the planet Virga, to meet what they call Virga's Volunteer. And I should rem just remind us that uh, per treaty with the United Planets, all, all member worlds are at least encouraged to nominate a member of the Legion from their planet. This was seen early in the Legion's founding as not only a gesture of unity, but in microcosm would provide a concrete example of interplanetary cooperation. When Cam and Leviathan finally track down Virga's volunteer, Gates, they find that uh, he comes into the situation with a bit of a different perspective. The beings of Virga resemble hooded, land-roving lobsters whose torsos are kind of upright. And Gates, unique among his race, can teleport himself and, and other beings and things using flat-looking teleportation portals or, or gates. So not only does 
he possesses special power, but he also possesses a political leaning that's as far left as you can go. He is anti-establishment and views himself not as a Legion volunteer, but as a Legion draftee. And as he says, he's not happy about it. He takes his displeasure out on Cam and Gim, teleporting them to the sheer face of a mountain. So their record so far, these two recruiters, is 0 for 2. Next they travel to the last world on their itinerary, Aleph, to meet with their last nominee, Zoe Sagan, who goes by the name Kinetics. Kinetics impresses Cam and Leviathan, Cam with her telekinetic abilities and Leviathan with her upbeat, flirty personality, which, which is really a, a new welcome addition to the Legion. And it's great that Cam and Gim finally, they finally get one. Next we see Spark and Apparition. They're on a similar mission to greet the Legion nominee of the planet Imsk. Catch with them is that Imsk wants the Legion to choose their recruit based on a competition set up between three hopeful candidates. Imsk, we're told, is a space-starved world, so even though its inhabitants can exist at a standard humanoid scale, they've all developed the ability to shrink to microscopic size, and most of their architecture seems designed for tiny, tiny people. They've built a large-scale arena, though, to host the competition between the confident Ion, the overconfident Micro, and the shy and reserved Shrinking Violet. So the three are pitted against a battle drone, and when Ion leaps into action, she shrinks, but immediately cries out and collapses, dead. A scan of her body convinces the attending science police officers that Ion was murdered with an implanted Auraflex blade. Shrinking Violet explains to Spark and Apparition that Imskins developed this non-shrinking metal which is implanted in prisoners to prevent them from shrinking their way to escape. Someone present at the competition implanted this device on Ion, and the Legionnaires vow to solve this murder mystery. And we get some really nice character moments here, especially with Apparition, who comes off as she would, the daughter of a United Planets representative might, a, a little aristocratic. She shows zero tolerance for some offhand jokes made by the science police officers, and she demands that they take their job seriously. A review of some slow-motion footage of the competition reveals that, surprise, Micro is the murderer, and though he blames the Legion for making him the obviously right candidate for the team, at least according to him, they made him try out the gall. He tries to shrink his way to escape, but he's immediately followed into the subatomic world by Shrinking Violet, who lays quite a beating on him. He shrilly pleads his case, saying he's he's tired of being the runner-up. Doesn't Violet know what it's like to be second best? And with a quietly spoken one-word answer, no, Violet re reveals a lot about herself. And despite the reserved and quiet surface, she possesses an inner confidence that not only makes her a perfect Legion candidate, but this trait also gets played upon to... Pretty interesting effect much later in the series. So a swift kick to the face puts Micro on ice, and 
This whole exchange was witnessed via camera by Apparition and Spark. So, as far as they're concerned, Shrinking Violet is in. So that's three new confirmed members, Violet, Kinetics, and Andromeda, whom on the last page shot of the Legion checking out their newsome threesome, Brainiac 5 can't seem to take his eyes off of her. Andromeda, I mean. Which is a nice callback to earlier times and the special relationship between another Brainiac 5 and Andromeda analog, Supergirl. This fall on CBS. So, no major threat to this issue, but the team's collective personality gains a couple of very interesting facets that actually begin to pay off in the very next issue that I'll be talking about, Legionnaires number 23. Now that issue is a story called Flight, and it's written by Tom Pyre, drawn by the team of Jeffrey Moy and W.C. Karani, lettered by Pat Brousseau, colored by Tom McCraw, and edited by McAvaney and Carlson, covered by Moy and maybe Karani, promises a night out on the town with the Legion ladies, and that's pretty much what this issue is. In the great tradition of stories of characters trying to get into club. I like this issue, but I'll say my favorite trying to get into club story is from Amazing Man number 7, which I highly recommend. Story from the mid-80s. Any issue of Amazing Man gets my highest recommendation. Anyway, this issue opens almost like the last one I talked about with Andromeda lashing out. She's screaming at some unseen individual that she doesn't want their stupid presence and she doesn't want anything to do with anyone. Andromeda rushes by Brainiac 5's lab and the obviously disturbed super genius pops out, obviously ready to give the disturber a quite a tongue lashing, but when he sees it's Laurel, he just stops short and can only stand and stare as she strides by. Invisible Kid materializes, saying that he's he's got something for Brainiac, so could he please report to the lounge? Now, gathered in the lounge is the entire team, apart from Andromeda, of course, and on a large screen monitor it looks like someone's watching The Empire Strikes Back. So Invisible Kid has a, has a surprise for everyone. He hands out rings with the Legion emblem on them, he says they contain a tracking beacon and a communicator. Oh, and by the way, they fly. Splash page that follows, showing the team trying out their new equipment is a nice reintroduction to the Legion flight ring. While the team is buzzing around the headquarters on the ground, Invisible Kid explains to Brainiac 5 that he'd made the rings from a big hunk of floating metal that had been some discarded material from one of Brainiac's experiments. When the assembled team returns to the ground, Invisible Kid has no problem repeating his story to them, emphasizing Brainiac's negligence of what he was discarding while Brainy looks on with a kind of a kind of a grumbly face. So this rival between Invisible Kid and Brainiac it, it continues. We next see Laurel in her quarters. She's communicating maybe with a future Skype Skype three thousand. She's talking with the she's talking to a a leader from her homeworld of Daxum. 
she's kind of breaking down, describing how hard it is to coexist with so many aliens. They've, they've even tried to touch her. She's still stuck in the transparent trans suit due to her intense vulnerability to lead, although she's thinking of it as a secure barrier between her and her teammates. The person she's communicating with, Oben Durr, isn't really having any of this. He offers her a choice. She can stay with the team, where she's enjoying a great array of superpowers, although he strangely calls it calls them mega powers, mega strength. Or she can return to Daxum powerless and attend school. She doesn't seem to like that, so he suggests she try to make some friends. And back with the rest of the team, Cosmic Boy suggests that without without any imminent missions, the group should take the weekend off, which gets an excited reaction mostly from the girls who have been wanting to check out a new Metropolis club. And the very sensible Saturn girl decides to hang back, but Apparition and Kinetics are surprised that Andromeda shows up and expresses an interest in going. Cosmic Boy uses the free time to check in on Livewire, who's been having strange nightmares involving his missing brother and the lightning beast that gave him and his siblings their electric power. This kind of further develops what Garth revealed last issue to his sister, the fact that the lightning needs to be constantly kept in check. This is the most insight we've ever gotten into the nature of the lightning powers. Garth claims to be enjoying his time in Leland Macaulay's workforce, a sort of Legion of Superheroes for Hire, created by Leland Macaulay, a rich magnate, kind of a rival to the Legion's own founder, R.J. Brand. Livewire's communication with Cosmic Boy is interrupted by Macaulay, who berates him for being a slacker. And after that, Cos shares an interesting virtual reality experience with Saturn Girl. They are playing some game where they complete a mission that seems very, very 007. And upon the completion of their game, they instinctively move in for a kiss, which is weird, but their VR helmets clunk together and bring them back to reality, and red-cheeked, they awkwardly part ways. And we get to tag along next with Ladies' Night Out, and it has its share of moments. as Spark, Kinetics, Violet, Apparition, Excess, Triad, and Andromeda await the bouncer's approval in line to get into the hottest club in Metropolis, Club Stargate. Which is a reference not only to the primary mode of interstellar transportation in the Legion's 30th century, but with its quasi-Egyptian decor, it also looks like a tribute to the sci-fi movie and TV franchise Stargate. I've never seen Stargate, though maybe I should. Let me know if I should. Apparition, who'd been kind of like the ringleader of this operation, experiences a teenager's worst nightmare and sees her mother, United Planets Ambassador Winema Wazo, in line to get into the same club. When Winema sees her daughter, she kind of flips out, disapproving of the Legion's corrupting influence. She yanks Tinya by the hand, pulling her into a waiting limo, and our Legion group is one girl down. In the background of all this, you see Kinetics using her power to change poor Violet's outfit every couple of panels. No doubt she's trying to help her friend look her best, but Kinetics doesn't realize she's treating Violet like a Barbie doll and making her feel even more uncomfortable than she already was in this situation. 
some other action happening in the background. A couple of meatheads are ogling the girls. One of them expresses his preference for the triplets. But another one whacks him across the back of the head saying, didn't he know that that wasn't triplets? That's, that's a stinking cargite. Cargite references Triad's homeworld, Karg, where everyone has the ability to split into three bodies. Now these jabrones find another target for their hate. He's a fish-like humanoid trying to get in the club, whose water-filled helmet they smash. Andromeda leaps into action, wrapping the trio up in the club's line stanchions. But this is a bit away from the crowd. She's taken aback, though, when she gets a look at the piece of jewelry that all three of them are wearing. It's a necklace with a large white triangle. When she sees this, she lets them go, but tells them she better never see them again. Back with the others, Kinetics is using her power to fashion a new helmet for the water breather, who was beaten, and she asks Andromeda about the creeps that she collared. Laurel says she took care of them, and doesn't elaborate. And the girls decide that there's been enough excitement for the night, and decide to pack it in, but not before the club bouncer expresses a his approval of Violet's latest super-revealing look, courtesy of Kinetics, and grants her, only her, access to the club. This, of course, embarrasses Violet, who immediately shrinks from sight. There's a cute, fun little twist to the end of the issue, though. The Legion's about to deal with some pretty serious stuff. The whole white triangle xenophobic story has... Been a subplot that's been bubbling under the surface since pretty much the first issue of this run, and soon it's gonna explode. Now, I'm really looking forward to those stories, and it'll be coming up in a couple of episodes. I should mention before, though, that uh, this, these two issues are the first of the reboot that have not been reprinted up to these two. The previous issues up to these were reprinted in one trade paperback. Legion of Superheroes, the beginning of tomorrow. And pretty much from here on out, uh, the only way you'll find these is hunting through your back issue boxes, or uh, I think everything in this run is now on Comixology, so pony up the $1.99 and they're yours. So I think I'll wrap it up here. If you have anything to say about the Legion, Andromeda, or interplanetary xenophobia, let me know can leave a comment on the blog, imthegun.blogspot.com, which is the home for this podcast, as well as Shanna Showcase, which is devoted to everyone's favorite Jungle Queen, Marvel Comics, the Shanna the She-Devil. There's a link on the blog to Twitter, where I tweet as at Mark Sweeney Jr., and Tumblr, where I'm Messenger and Tech. Also, you can email comments to imthegun at gmail.com. Be sure to check out previous episodes of these podcasts on iTunes, where you can search for I'm the Gun, Reboot Review, or Shanna Showcase. Alright, I'll be back in a couple of weeks with another Reboot Review, so until then, LOL, live on Legion. Legion.